0: the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. online, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Always a pleasure to be with you and always appreciate you listening in. Today is Monday, May 17th, 2021. This is episode 20 of season three. And today we are talking about the commodity of time, uh, the way to build platform brand engagement. And we're going to break this down a little bit. Uh, It's It's one of these things where we're seeing a lot of, uh, obviously, brand engagement in the community. We're seeing a lot of um, branding when it comes to sports gaming and gambling, gamification of everything. And this is kind of a phenomenon that's happening. And again, we'll break this down. But uh, it's pretty fascinating what's going on in the United States with regard to sports gaming and uh, really, the sort of the growth of brands, uh, particularly in the sort of athlete space, but also the way that networks and studios are looking for ways to, um, you know, bring more eyeballs to their content, right? So again, we're talking about the commodity of time, the way to build platform brand engagement you are talking about commodity, right? We're talking about something that can be traded, so to speak. Something that's, you know, has value to it. Uh, and of course, with time, time has always been a commodity. But I think even more so today, when we're talking about we, as the human race, really have uh, the ability to uh, monetize our time. We have the ability to waste our time. We have the ability to make the best of our time. And I think that. Uh, when we're looking at this, uh, you know, in this day and age, we have so many different options when it comes to consuming content, right? Entertainment, media, sports, whatever you know, whatever it might be, we have so many streamers. We have so, you know access to pretty much anything. Uh, streamers are by far, uh, or by bar, by and large, uh, less expensive than, uh, let's say, uh, your normal cable package, uh, which of course cable companies are are struggling in that sense and looking for ways to reach consumers, especially as they move more towards the streaming aspect. And of course, now we've seen Amazon get into the space of sports, and now they're actually moving up their uh, exclusive distribution when it comes to um, distributing Thursday night football games up one year. Uh, So we're gonna see that a little bit sooner. But I I think that we we, kind of live in this world where everyone has access to a platform to express themselves, right? Everybody has basically their own television channel when it comes to sharing on social media. Uh, everyone can be their own sort of personal and professional photographer when it comes to sharing pictures on Instagram or videos on, um, let's say, TikTok or Snapchat. Uh, There's just so many different areas. You can be a commentator when it comes to Twitter. Now, whether those things are good or not, I think is a story for another day. But the reality is that those platforms do exist and people are using them. And brands are using them and it's created the word influencer, right? And bringing out uh, talent, being able to express themselves in that way. But, you know, brands have platforms, studios have platforms, networks have platforms, and they've always had traditional platforms, Uh, you know, used to be with, you know, newspapers and television and everything else. But of course, now social media has changed a lot of that and provided additional avenues to reach uh, people and to gather and gain information. But, you know, ultimately those brands and studios and networks and athletes all need to uh, continue high levels of engagement with viewers uh, to bring in money. Um, When you're talking about advertising dollars, obviously the advertisers want to see what's your viewership numbers. And now we have Nielsen, you know, getting into measuring uh, sort of these newer ways of measurement where whether it be. You know, minutes viewed, or how many people actually viewed content on, you know, whether it be Netflix or Amazon Prime or what have you. But we're getting into new ways to measure uh, viewership and content. And then ultimately, when you're talking about athletes and brands on social media, it's all about engagement. You know, it's uh, how are people engaging with the content? What are they doing with it? Are they watching it? How long are they watching it for? Are they watching highlights? You know, there was a story that came out recently that the NHL had brokered a deal with uh, with a company looking to do, you know, basically these 99 cent clips where you would pay 99 cents for, you know, viewing clips of a game. You know, I often find myself, you know, even as a, a sports and entertainment attorney, watching highlights of games or watching, uh, looking at stats on different platforms, whether it be Bleacher Report or ESPN uh, or, you know, whatever website, you um, usually those same websites, you know, uh, Blue Report or ESPN. But I think that, you know, again, engagement's important. And, you know, it's just a different level of advertising because ultimately, you know, a brand goes to an influencer to advertise its product and they're paying the influencer the money to sort of promote that product, right? And so I think that, uh, again, as competition, continues when you're talking about the use of different platforms and platforms growing, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show. uh, Clearly there's more avenues to do this. And of course, the more competition you have, the harder it is to keep uh, the consumer um, engaged, which is great for the consumer, by the way, because that gives them more options and opens up opportunities for them uh, to to, to engage and, and, you know, generally lowers the price. And uh, as you have more competition, it usually raises the bar when it, you know, talking about, you know, creating, engaging and really good content. But again, the point here is that the competition has gotten stiffer and uh, so it's becoming increasingly difficult for folks who control uh, platforms to engage with people because there is so many options out there. Now, of course, podcast and what have you have really taken uh, taken off, particularly during the pandemic, because people were spending a lot of time at home, um, uh, which is somewhat interesting too. Because if you think, you know, normally you would think, okay, well, podcast is, you know, it's what people do when they're, you know, commuting or whatever. But I think people, you know, sort of found more time as they were not commuting to look for ways to engage with really good, you know, content. So at the end of the day, it's really a competition for uh, the attention spans of consumers. Uh, and what we might refer to as the commodity of time. So I'm going to give a couple examples here. If you look at Kobe Bryant, there was an article recently in front office sports where he was talking about how he's made more money in business uh, than in his playing days. Um, And this is the result of the power of brand building. And it's through platforms and good investments in himself and others. Uh, And if you look at the growth of name, image, and likeness, uh, there was a great article in um, Sportico talking about this with the University of Arizona hiring people and companies to really build up their NIL um, availability. You look at the NCAA looking at open doors to bring them in to be their sort of exclusive uh, NIL uh, partner. Um, You look at uh, Altius sports partners with Casey Schwab and some of the things that they're doing, signing up schools. So again, I think, you know, you look at Kobe as an example uh, and obviously the uh, hall of fame speech occurred on uh, Saturday there uh, with his, um, with his wife, Vanessa. So congratulations to the Bryant family, but obviously just a very uh, still to this day, uh, as it should be a very sad thing. Um, for, for the loss of Kobe, but also, um, a great thing really in the sense of, um, you know, seeing his brand continue and, um, and, and hopefully seeing his family heal as, uh, as time moves on. But it, the next generation of athletic talent is only going to be in a better spot than Kobe was in the sense of they've grown up on these platforms and social media and being engaged with talent. And so it's only more so that they're going to use those as examples, uh, to build up their platforms, and now that NIL is available, NIL NIL is available across the uh, country, at least in uh, soon to be in uh, several states in July, and then uh, probably every other state after that, depending on state law and if Congress gets behind it. I imagine going forward, it's probably going to be individual states that do it uh, to give some uh, level of competition to it, and then the NCAA will probably have some overarching. Threshold for these states to meet and schools to meet, but I think that um, again, these uh, the sort of younger generation and the current generation of athletic talent is only going to be able to increase opportunities more uh, uh, based on their you know level of involvement with um, you know existing platforms, uh, stuff that didn't exist really when Kobe was uh, coming up through sort of his teenage years and then. High school ball, and then obviously into the pros. So that's a, it's going to be something to sort of consider and to watch. But I think it's it's a it's a matter of sort of following uh, what's happening with the you know existing um, athletes and uh, the folks who are coming up. I also think that um, you know the limitations of consuming content. In the last few columns I've written on this, I've been uh, talking about limitation of consuming content and it really comes down to a question of quality and interest in the eye of the consumer. Right. And, and moreover, how, how quickly the developer and distributor can deliver the content, you know, so now of course inject position to this is the fact that there's new privacy law protections for consumers. Um, and uh, as those grow across the United States, uh, tech businesses streaming platforms and companies have to find new ways to track and collect information with the purpose of, you know, I guess you could say reaching or finding consumers. Uh, So at the end of the day, platforms really have this dual strategy approach. And sort of what we're seeing is that number one is to provide good content, which is, you know, no surprise, content is king, right? But distribution is clean and cheap, uh, wear the pants, as the old saying goes by Jonathan Perleman. But again, you know, number one is provide good content. You got to have good content, right? And then number two is you got to make it easy to view that content. So it's really about cost and access when it comes to the sort of the ease of viewing. So again, provide good content and make it easy to view that content. And that's really what we're seeing. This is why a lot of businesses are are getting into the idea of going direct to consumer and and looking for ways to distribute their content. Uh, directly and not having to go through, you know, an intermediary or whatever. It's it's a platform's direct. Folks can download the app on their computer, um, on their phone, on their television, smart TV, what have you. So I'm gonna give a couple examples of this beyond the Kobe example. More talking about brands and networks, and when we're thinking about what we just talked about, uh, it. Really should come as no surprise that as sports betting has grown post, PASPA which is the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which, as you might remember, uh, was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2018. That was a law passed in the I believe the mid 90s, early the mid 90s, that essentially outlawed um, sports betting across the country outside of a few places like uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, right, or Nevada in general. And so it's one of those things where uh, as that thing was overturned and it was overturned because Supreme Court found that, you know, uh, you cannot commandeer a state to do something. Uh, You you know, the federal government uh, can, you know, Congress can pass a law that says, you know, we are going to purvey in this space and say we're going to do this sort of thing. But you can't force states to do something uh, that the government is not doing or that the government is not involved in. So um, that's sort of what happened from that Supreme Court case. And since then, again, it's no surprise that there's been an increase in brand and platform integrations between sports books, esports, cryptocurrency, sports teams, leagues, athletes, networks, and platforms to really increase the gamification, or in other words, the monetization, making money from content. And uh, and eventually led to really this broader acceptance of gaming amongst really teams and leagues. We'll see how the consumers respond to this, um, which in many ways mirrors Europe's sports gambling model, uh, but I think maybe more importantly is a display of the future of commerce in general. So uh, it's really looking at um, you know, how things are going to be paid for, how things are going to be exchanged. And I'll give you an example. So Sinclair, uh, which is a big broadcast company in the United States, uh, owns a large portion because it purchased them of regional sports networks. It purchased them from Disney, actually, um, and, uh, and which, which of course, uh, Disney purchased Fox, which had these regional sports networks or RSNs. Uh, and now Sinclair is launching a direct-to-consumer streaming option to really complete its rebranded Bally Sports cable programming. So let me break that down a little bit. Sinclair, which is a broadcaster, purchased regional sports networks uh, from Disney via Fox and is now creating a streaming option which uh, is going to go direct to consumer and uh, it's going to be via Bally Sports, which of course is a Casino operator, uh, that has sports books. And of course that was a deal that was done earlier this year in 2021 where the regional sports network were renamed the doubt, the Valley sports, uh, regional networks. So again, we sort of have this crossover between brands, sports, gaming, sports books, um, sports in general, sports content. So it's, it's, again, I think it's a, like really the spot on example of what's happening. And it goes back to this point of providing good content. People want to see live sports and to make it easy to view that content by both cost and access. Cost is kind of an issue still in this sense, because those direct to consumer streaming options, particularly with live sports is probably going to be pretty expensive. Um, This was obviously the problem that the Dodgers came across when um, they were trying to sell their regional sports networks to some of the cable and satellite providers and they they sort of balked at the, the price uh no pun intended but um that's sort of uh it, it it's an ongoing issue and we'll see how they how they play that out and how maybe maybe they can increase advertisements or somehow increase the gamification of it through sports betting to lower that cost uh, through some sort of tax or fee but We'll see how that plays out. But I think ultimately that Valley Sports Sinclair example is uh, right on target with regard to sort of brands and content and platforms, right? This idea of, again, uh, offering good content, but also making it easy to view that particular content. So um, we'll sort of see how that plays out. Uh, I think even maybe even in a more direct approach, if you look at DraftKings, uh, they're the fantasy sports and betting company. They've purchased a media company, which a particular, uh, in particular Verizon's content business, and they've also secured deals with the Diff Network and Sling TV. And so DraftKings, uh, in an article via Sportico, reported that they are now launching a streaming service similar to a YouTube or a FUBU TV um, to reach consumers directly. And of course, they're going to have sports betting content and games on that. So again, back to provide good content, live sports, you know, premium sports matches, what have you, but then also make it easy to view that content and then have people engage with that content. Because unsurprisingly, when you put money into something, uh, you're more likely to watch it, follow it, and engage with it. So um, it's going to be something interesting to follow with regard to that. Uh, but I also think it's somewhat interesting when you look at the Oakland athletics, there was an article recently in front office sports about, uh, them moving the Oakland athletics, potentially moving to Las Vegas. If they can't get that $12 billion stadium, uh, redevelopment deal, uh, finished. And, um, it also makes sense from the standpoint of sports betting, you know, California, despite having the largest state population, uh, potentially the largest, um, you know tax base when it comes to, to um, you know sports betting and uh, largest consumer base. Uh, California does not currently allow sports betting, and of course, um, you know outside of sort of uh, your um, you know Native American casinos and that sort of thing, it's it's pretty much non-existent in California at least legally. And so uh, when you're looking at you know let's say you know example the uh, Oakland Raiders which now the Las Vegas Raiders they moved to Las Vegas and now they're in a state that you know has sports betting and of course that creates more financial opportunities gamification all that so to be just as easy for the sister franchise of the Oakland athletics uh, in the proverbial sense they're not actually you know uh, related in terms of business but in terms of uh, formally being in the same city you know what kind of opportunities open up for the A's if they move to Vegas so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but I think that, um, again, it's all about this idea of providing good content, making it easier to view that content through you know lower cost and access, mainly better access because the cost of regional sports networks tend to be pretty expensive. But again, this point of reaching consumers directly applies to both um, athletes individually, and then also to uh, brands and networks and, and studios and everybody else. Everybody's trying to reach the consumer, right? And of course, uh, sports is doing this by going direct to consumer, avoiding cable, but also adding some gamification stuff to it with regard to sports betting. So I think overall, the takeaway is that you know platforms present the sort of ever-increasing opportunity to reach uh, consumers for athletes and brands. And, um, it's, we live in a very interesting time and, and I think that, uh, the opportunities here are only going to increase, but again, I think overall the commodity of time, sort of this idea of, uh, time being this uh, sort of precious commodity and how we spend it. And, uh, it's becoming ever increasingly more difficult for these brands and athletes to reach people. Um, in the sense that it's easier to reach people, but it's more difficult in the sense that there's so much competition. So you have to be really good at creating content. So it's great for the consumer uh, because generally it lowers cost and it provides uh, more content, more opportunities. But again, it's from a personal level, it comes down to what are you spending your time on and how are you, um, you know, sort of uh, engaging with content. So again, folks, uh, this is uh, Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Always appreciate you listening in. Today's show was about the commodity of time, the way to build platform brand engagement. Look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.